0: Welcome to NFCC's Guide Through the Seasons of Mental Wellness. I'm your host, Anna Crane, a licensed social worker and outreach counselor at Nick Finnegan Counseling Center here in Houston, Texas. I'm so glad for you to join us for season three, where we talk about all things healing. Let's get into today's episode. Clarina Miles is a breast cancer survivor, mom of three, wife, teacher, and yogi. After being diagnosed with breast cancer, she decided to open up and share her journey with the world. She was extremely transparent with the different stages of her breast cancer diagnosis, sharing things like losing all of her hair, chemotherapy side effects, and the mental trauma of cancer. She also wanted to ensure that other young African-American women could see themselves represented in the fight against breast cancer. African-American women are 40% more likely to die from breast cancer than their white counterparts. This statistic makes it even more important for black women to be able to connect and share their stories with one another. She has used the last two and a half years since her diagnosis to redefine the meaning of life. She is focused on the now and making new memories with her family. Where she once shared many of the lows of being diagnosed with cancer, she now focuses on sharing the highs of the life after cancer. We're so excited for you to learn from Clarina today and hear her story. Let's get into it. Welcome, Clarina. I'm so excited to have you here with us today and for these listeners to get to know you. You're such a joy, and I'm so excited for them to hear your story. So let's start out by telling our listeners about you and your story of healing from your cancer diagnosis. So it was a, it
1: was a long process. When I got done with treatment, three months later, I was pregnant. And so it was kind of like a whirlwind of pausing healing to start growing a baby. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like I didn't actually start healing until a year later once I had the baby. And then I was like, oh, shoot, like, this is what this feels like to like be on the other side, have my own body and everything. But I found the biggest thing I found is that it's harder on the other side than when you're in treatment, Mm -hmm. like you're. In treatment, it's like that fight mode. You're like, I'm fighting this, and you know that you're killing it. Like, you know that your body and the, like, medicines are working to cure the disease. But then when you're on the other side, you're kind of just like, wait, now there's no medicine helping me to, like, kill this disease. My body has let this disease grow before. Could my body be letting it grow now? Yeah. Um, So I think just being on the other side, it, it is much more, you have to be much more intentional
0: about like where
1: you allow your mind to focus.
0: I love the idea of intentionality, but behind where it's almost this like mindfulness practice. I know that you're a big yogi and you you believe in mindfulness. Talk about that. Talk about how you use that during your healing and even during treatment. Uh, just trying to stay like, one of my friends said something
1: um, like the very, the day I got diagnosed or like two days later and she was like, tell me if this is stupid, tell me to shut up. If you like, are like, no Clarina. And she was like, I know we could think about all the bad things, but what if we just thought about what's the best that can happen? Yeah. And like, when she said it, I was like, okay. All right. Like, let me sit in that. Like, right. Cause in, at that point, my mind was going to all of the worst things. Like yes. I had already, like, if I'm being frank, I'd already die. I'd already figured out like how my kids were going to be without me. Like my husband, like I was, I was already there. And yeah. so she's like, what's the best that could happen And that even to this day, I'm like, all right, Clarina, what's the best you can get out of this? Like, yeah. And like some people are like, oh, pos- like what is it? Toxic positivity. And I'm like, no, nah, that's just how I work. Like, yes. I'm just looking for the best possible thing prior to this all my life and kind of like my dad just ingrained in us this kind of like what's prepare for the worst. Yeah. And so all my life, I've kind of always prepared for I was over prepared for everything. I was ready for the worst. So if the worst happened, I didn't feel and I'm like, no, like I'm gonna stop living like that now. I'm gonna start preparing for the best Mm -hmm. and just seeing what happens. And so I think that little saying was able to like, keep me like, all right, clear. And sometimes I'm not like, what's the best that can happen? But I'm just like, all right, everything does not have to be for bad. Like what could go right in this? So, yeah,
0: well, that's like a funny thing, knowing you and knowing how you just exude positivity. I feel like that the idea of you kind of going in seems like so crazy to me you know and I feel like that 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 is what people do when they hear cancer you know I feel like yeah. you know like there, there's this like level of just I am now like what you said I'm dead and I feel like that's so scary and it's so scary for the people around you who love you and want to support you. So when you heard the C word, What was your response and how did people around you respond? Initially,
1: I was just, I mean, I like, it was like when my doctor was on the phone with me because she called and she wanted me to come in for an appointment. And I was just like, nah, like I can already see where this is going. Like this isn't good news. And I was like, I'd rather be in the comfort of my home. And so when she said it, I just looked at my, I had my phone on speakerphone and me and my husband kind of just like looked at each other. And then I don't know what she said after that. Like I, uh, bits and pieces of her conversation, I remember, but I kind of was just sitting there just like crying. And my husband's like, you're going to be all right. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, bro, people die from cancer. Like mm-hmm. this is like what, this is the one thing you don't want to get in life. Like you, anything yeah. else you can kind of figure out. Yeah. And so, he, And then, you know, you get the movie image of cancer. Right. So like, I immediately went to like the movie image of what it would be like to have cancer, like the bald head and then being sick all the time and people, you know, treating you like you were already dead and then you get better and then you die later. And so it was like, I had like this whole image. I think my husband kind of like was just, in shock and I think he just like his immediate reaction was just like comfort me comfort me yeah um I didn't my kids were so young that like we didn't tell our kids like we just said mommy was sick um
0: but yeah your kids kids again I mean Zara
1: had just turned was Zara was turning one so she hadn't turned one yet and Phoenix was two yeah three was three Phoenix
0: was three so little yeah
1: yeah they were so little that they didn't My sister had already gone through cancer. So I talked to her a lot when I got diagnosed and I talked to my dad. Like those were like, so I talked to those people a lot. And it was weird because like people I hadn't talked to in a very long time or like not much, when I said I had cancer, they all like reached out. But then it was interesting because after that first reach out, none of them reached out again.
0: Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I think that that's like what you just said, I feel like is so important. It's like you are almost going through this interesting grief process when you're still living right mm-hmm. it's that like process of the loss of what would be and mm-hmm. what could be and and i think people don't know how to respond mm-hmm. because they hear the word cancer and and i know this you know from my own personal experience and from my you know my mom and we have lots of family members and i feel like so often people it's almost like this fight or flight response mm-hmm. to cancer and then you have to manage other people's response to you. Yeah. And how hard that is to feel like I'm managing someone else's grief around like their brother's sister's dog's dad (laughs) had cancer once. And now they're really sad when they're talking to me about my experience. Mm -hmm. Did you feel like that? Or they're like, yeah, I lost my grandmother to cancer. And I'm
1: like, not what I need to hear right now. <laughs> like, I'm so sorry about your grandma. Like, yeah. Like, not right now. Like, or yeah. they're like, no, I totally understand what you're going through because I've lost people to cancer. And I'm like, so wait, wait I'm about to die. Like, wait. Oh, my, like, wait a minute. I'm not dead. Yeah, yet. you didn't lose me.
0: But it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm <laughs> still here. I'm present. I'm talking to you right now.
1: But it is. But I, I mean, I can only imagine that it's hard for people because before I went through it, like the amount of empathy and the amount of just like watching what I say to people or the questions that I ask or whatever is totally different now that I've been on the other side. So I am like 1000% experience is the best teacher because without it, you just don't know how to respond. You just don't.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that that's true. Experience is the best teacher. I feel like would, I would say that that's like overwhelmingly true in life. And I love the concept of like growing in your empathy, right? I bet that was probably a part of your healing because you're dealing with the people who respond around you. Did you feel like you wanted a large group of people to know about this? Or did you feel like you needed to keep it very like insular?
1: when I found out, cause I am a very, like, I handle things on my own type person. Like I don't before, prior to this, don't ask for help. I handle it. Like I am a very like private person. And so when I told my husband that I wanted to share it, I was like, look, I can't have this conversation 15 different times. Yes. So honestly, like my sharing was kind of like a little bit of me being like selfish too, because I'm like, If I just put it out there for everybody to see, I'm not going to get all the one-off questions. Every conversation I have with somebody doesn't have to be a, so how's everything going? What happened last? Because people were just watching, could watch it for themselves. So I could just give one update to a screen where I didn't have to have people like asking me a bunch of questions in the moment. People could sit on it, think about how they wanted to respond. And then when they asked me questions, they were a lot more purposeful. Like, and so just sharing it out, that one helped me. And then two, when I got diagnosed that night, I literally researched, like I went on Instagram and I just typed in like the hashtag, like young black cancer. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find nobody really. Like I couldn't find really anybody who looks like me. And so everyone that I found, I just followed them. Like I was just like, I, and so, and then that kind of just made me think like when some woman Googles, I want them to find me. Like, Uh, I want them to see me. And so, and that's what happened. So I just kept sharing. Um, And
0: I feel like that is like such a, um, I don't know, that is like such a pinpoint of exactly who you are and like the educator that you are and the woman that you are and the mother to, especially to daughters that you are, is like, I want to be a person Mm -hmm. who people can see who people like me, who look like me, who act like me can see and know, Hey, Hey, what's the best that can happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you are an example of that. And, and I, I heard you say like, this was a selfish version of this. <laughs> I don't think that's selfish at all. <laughs> like that is not selfish. Yeah. You know? Yeah, truly. I I do hear you. And I, and I've talked to other people and I know Uh, you know, that's how a lot of people feel like maybe they find one friend and they tell everything to that friend. And then they're like, okay, you share my information. So I don't have to have that same conversation over Mm -hmm. and over again, but to put yourself out there into the world of Instagram like that, into potentially, you know, the world of scrutiny and to say, Hey, you know what, this is my story. And I want to help people with my story. Girlfriend, not selfish. (laughs) Like not at all. So I think that, you know, that's, that's really huge. And did you feel like once you started to share, did you feel like, I know you've connected with a lot of people. Do you feel like that like has been healing for you? Yeah. Like definitely like, like,
1: because I felt so alone. Like I, at the beginning, I felt like no, like no one understands this. Like it was like conversations. I felt like I was working too hard to ever find someone who just like understood the sentiment, like, like, and so once I found like people who were also affected by breast cancer and I found people in the city or found people, you know, that weren't in the city, it was just easier conversation. And so you could just talk without having to talk and explain. Yeah. So like, that was one of the things, like, even like my best friends, like, it was like, I got to do too much explaining for you to understand. And like I don't I don't I I just didn't pick up the phone to call those people because I was like you got life going, you got everything and so the community that I found of women who were like, yeah, I'm going through the same thing or had just been through it, it was just way more beneficial.
0: Yeah, I mean I I feel like I that concept of talking and having to explain something I think is so hard and I think that it is such a beautiful thing to be able there's lots of bad things on the internet don't get me wrong mm-hmm. but there are lots of good things too that you know mm-hmm. especially to like touch on that alone piece and feeling lonely i would say it is a great place to connect with others you know and to mm-hmm. know their stories and to feel like you can be in it and like you said right talking without explaining mm-hmm. i think that that's so huge and so i how do you feel like you can get the cancer diagnosis and handle it mentally and then explain it to your family or not, or explain it to your loved ones or not. You know, how do you feel like all of that impacts your mental health?
1: Girl, what? Like, I was like, see, (laughs) this is the thing though. It doesn't impact you when, for me, I didn't feel like when I was going through the treatment, my mental health wasn't bad. Like when I was going through treatment It was like I would look outside and be like, oh, my God, that tree is so green. It is beautiful. (laughs) Like you're just like, oh, my God, the flowers. Like I've never seen flowers so bright because you're going through that kind of like I'm just so happy to be able to be alive and fight it. right? Right. And so there's a bliss that comes in the time when you are going through treatment especially with how many stages I had. Like yeah. I had the chemo, then I had the surgery, then I had radiation, then I had another surgery. And so with all of the stages, I felt like I never really had a chance to to check on my mental health. And yeah. then when I did, it would be like, okay, right as I was going from one stage to another, that is when the hit would come where I'm like, all right, Karna like, you got over one mountain, but now that there's another one in front of you, it was like this idea of like, I'm coming over the mountain. I worked so hard to get over it. I get to the bottom and I'm like, look up. I'm like, shit, there's another one. And <laughs> yes. then you're like, all right, I work. I got over that mountain. Then you're like, shit. and so it wasn't because then you get so used to getting over the mountain that it wasn't until the end when there was no mountain in sight. And it was like, shit, you got to forge your own path. Like you get to choose whichever way you go. And that is when I crumbled. That is when, like, after treatment, after the doctors were, like, no longer being, like, here's the next, that's when I crumbled. But three months later, I got pregnant. And so it was, like, shut that off because you can't stress this baby out and you got to grow this baby. Yeah. And so the mental health honestly didn't hit until it hit right when I was done with treatment. And I was just, like, oh, my God. Uh, I'm going to die next time. Cause if it come back, I'm dead. <laughs> and then like, I'm
0: not meaning to laugh. I'm just like, Oh, no, that's how
1: you are. You like, yeah. Shit. And then I got pregnant. So it was like the, the journey just took, it was so stretched out. And
0: then after, so after your beautiful son was born, yes. do you feel like after that, then it was like, not only am I dealing with postpartum, I'm dealing with post-treatment. I'm be- dealing with my body changing in mm-hmm. so many ways. I mean, then I had a major surgery
1: three months after he was born. So it was so it was just like a lot. I think that once he was born, I mean, he was the best baby that like I I think God was like, look, I know I kind of like threw a wrench in there. So I'm going to give you the best possible. And so he was the best possible baby. Calm. And so I really I don't think I went through any like postpartum with him because he was just so peaceful. And so I would like look to him for peace. Like, I'm just like, wow, you are so peaceful. Like you went through so much to get here and look how peaceful you are. So he helped. I think that in the beginning though, when I first had him, it wasn't postpartum depression, but I went through a stage where I was just like, how selfish am I to bring this new baby into the world Hmm. and possibly not even raise him?
0: Oh, it's okay.
1: So I think that was like, one of my biggest things is when I had him. It wasn't like postpartum from him, but it was just like you brought another kid into the world, and you don't even know how long you have in this world. And so I think I went through that when I first had him, really bad. Yeah. Um, but well, then after that, go ahead. No, go ahead. Not as not as much. So, uh, but I also went to counseling. Yeah. And like I was just like. There, when they diagnose you with cancer, they should tell you there's four stages of this. There's chemo, there's surgery, there's radiation, and then there is mental health. Like there is like some yes. type of therapy. Yes. Um, so yeah.
0: First of all, thank you so much for sharing that. I feel like it's so hard to even rehash some of this stuff sometimes, and I I I so appreciate you sitting in this space with me. But and and with anyone who's listening, because I think that we hear these stories and people are just like, wow, they're so strong. Yeah. know know the whole thing, you know, and I think that it's important to show all sides of this. And I, and I just something else that I feel like is so important too, is you being able to share that you have, you know, gone through and done the work because I think that it's, it's this, there's so much stigma around mental health services. And especially I feel like in the black community, there's just this like, that's not how we handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, and for you to be able to share that is is so beautiful. And I just, I really appreciate it because, you know, it's hard. Yeah,
1: it is, especially after treatment. Like that's the number one thing I tell people who's like, how can I support somebody? And I'm like, be there for them after treatment. Like that, that space is no man's land. And most people get dropped in that space because everybody's like, you beat it. Like you're good. And they people immediately expect you to go back to who you were before you heard the words you have cancer. And it's like possible. Yeah. It's like I'll never be her again. Like I am a whole new moving forward. And like I think that's the biggest thing is like letting people know not to drop the people you care about in that space.
0: Yeah. So, can you talk about that? Because I feel like talking about how people, you know, we've all been impacted by cancer in the way of like we know someone that we love and we love someone who has experienced cancer or we've lost someone to cancer. So, what would you say that you recommend for someone kind of through all of those stages, like how to support someone you love through all of those stages from the moment that they hear and they share with you through all of the different treatments? to, you know, that no man's land piece, because I do, I, I hear you. And I think you're so right. People are like, oh, remission. Cool. You're good. Bye. Like, come on, you ready yeah. to do this thing again? Yeah. So kind of talk through that. Like, how can you support someone or do you feel like is a good way to support someone through those stages? um The
1: first stage is just like when they first find out, just listen, like don't try to offer there. There aren't there ain't any words really you can offer that change it except for i'm listening to you like i hear you like talk scream like i remember one of my friends was like if you just need to scream just scream like and so in the beginning just like listen throughout like when i say also sharing my story so many people reached out to help me like a community popped up that i was just like whoa Even from like the things like, you know, the flowers and then the people who stepped in and were like, hey, we have a place of like reprieve for you and your family. Like, I mean, people stepped in so much so and sometimes I was like overwhelmed by it. Yeah. Especially the question of like, how can I help you? Because you never know what someone's limit is to help. And so I found myself when people ask me that question, just being like, oh, I'm okay. Just pray for me. When really, I was like, I mean, I would really love a meal because like, yeah, there's three adults here, but I also have two little babies and my husband's still working full time. And so my mom trying to do the babies all day. And so like, actually, if you could send us dinner or like like anything, but I don't know the extent to. Can that person, so then I'm in my mind, I'm going through, okay, who is the person? Do I think they can financially help? Are they a close enough friend to ask them for that? Like, And yeah. so I think being very specific on how you can help. So like being like, hey, I can buy you, I can send you $100 for groceries, or I can buy your family dinner tonight, or, you know what I'm saying, just being very specific. Like one of my friends was like, hey, get a house cleaner. I'll pay the house cleaner for the month. And so it was just like when people were specific during treatment, that was the best. Um, And then after treatment, like in that no man's land, just being there, like, like just not trying to force that person to get back to a space, yeah, allowing them to be in the space that they're in at that time. And just remembering like, even if they're saying they're okay, that's the hardest time. Yeah and so just still being there like don't stop the calls during that time. I think yeah. that was a big thing. Was like all the calls stopped like in selfishly you get kind of used to people like loving on you in a way you're like yeah. oh my god people are so loving on me. And then you get finished and people are like back to life yeah. which is cool cuz people got things people got all of the situations, right? And so it's real it's like all right we rally behind you now we got to go and And so I would say, just rally a little longer.
0: Yeah. Well, and I so I'm going to summarize this, and you tell me if you're wrong, if I'm wrong, okay? Because you're not wrong. I'm right. We're wrong. Um, So in that first stage of like the diagnosis, the biggest thing I heard from you was just listen. Mm -hmm. And that second stage, throughout the process of treatment, whatever treatment looks like for that individual, that's specific offers, Mm -hmm. specific that are hey, this is what my means allow. This is what I have to offer you and whether that's a hey my family can take care of your family for this long on meals or hey here's a place that you can go with your husband to relax or you know here's a spa treatment for you or mm-hmm. here's the maid whatever the specific offer is that they are able to give not letting you puzzle piece that but them doing yeah. it and then afterwards i'm hearing presence and just meeting them where they are Mm -hmm. because we don't know what they're going through after treatment and what they've experienced, but meeting them where they are in that moment so that they can feel connected and feel like they understand and you're, you know, not understand, but feel closer Mm -hmm. to you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I so appreciate that because I feel like, you know, even those three buckets feel like anyone can hear that and say, okay, I can do this. I can take from that bucket and give back and support and love on someone. So I really appreciate you doing that for me. So, okay. I know you said your kids were really young and y'all decided we're just going to share mommy's sick. Do you think that ever you're going to walk them through this stage of your life?
1: So that was also one of the reasons why I documented it so much is because I was like, my kids can see it firsthand. So like they can see the videos, they can see the posts, they can read them. And so one of the things I was actually going to do is all of the posts that I made throughout that time, printing them out and creating a book. Yeah. And so yeah. So it's like the book would be the different stages and just like what it really looks like to go through those stages because that's when I was in it. Like trying to recount it now wouldn't it be the same because I'm not in it right now. Right? right. Um, and so just creating that for them to be able to like read through and see like how I was doing. I will eventually tell them. I think that right now I haven't told them like mommy had cancer just because when they go to school and they say that kids immediate reaction is my grandma died from cancer. Yep. My uncle died from cancer. My so-and-so like that is just a child's immediate because that is the connection they have to it.
0: Right. And so I'm like, yeah,
1: yeah. And so I'm like, I don't know that I want her to even have to live in those feelings that come with that. And like wait, so my mommy going to die? Like, you know what I'm saying? So I just like, yeah. I haven't, but I do walk her through, like mommy was sick. Mommy took medicine in order. So like, that's why mommy was bald. Cause she'll talk, she often talks about me having a bald head and, yeah. and so, like mommy was bald because the medicine that was saving my life, you know, was that. And so I know that eventually, and that's why I don't know the right time. Cause I know that eventually when she says that to a kid, my mommy was bald, my mommy doesn't have her boobs, my mommy had medicine, they're going to be like, oh, your mom had cancer. (laughs) Like, you know, I don't want a kid to be the first one to tell her. I honestly just don't know the balance of here is when. And so I guess I need to start thinking about that because she's getting older and conversations like that are happening. So I just need to think about, like, how am I going to walk her through it and let her know that when they say like, well, so-and-so died from cancer. It's like, yes, people can die from it, but people can die in car accidents and people can die in like swimming accidents. And, you know, here are all the people that are in your life that are still living after they've been diagnosed with cancer. So you just made me think.
0: (laughs) Well, first of all, I think you don't need to know the answer to that now. Right. And I think time will tell. And having worked with so many kids, just as a you know, I'm a therapist that works with kids. I would tell you that every family is different and every story is different. And, Mm -hmm. you know, even just like what you just said, right. Being prepared, if that is the way that she finds out being prepared to talk about it. And I think that what you said is a great answer. I think, you know, there's, I remember my mom, when my mom was going through breast cancer and she, Clarina and my mom have connected a lot over this is like something that her motto was that Clarina's was what, You know what's the best that can happen, but my mom kept saying like this isn't the thing that's going to kill me. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm more likely like I'm I'm not going to let this be the thing. This is not my thing. I'm not. I don't want this to be my thing. And so, you know, I think that that's such a great. You have such a beautiful motto that's coming from this, and using that to talk to your kids about it, Mm -hmm. I think, is a really great way to move forward. Right? Like, you know, like you said, your dad prepared you for you know preparing you for the worst like be ready you know yep. well, you can also be ready for the best yeah you know, and manifest that shit you know i think that that's that's great well Corina, i just like love you so much i think that you are such that's a beautiful, beautiful spirit and movement of a person i feel like you could do truly like i know you were talking about climbing those mountains and coming <laughs> down the bottom and being like oh shit i have to climb that again like watching you do this and just watching you exist i mean pre-cancer, post-cancer, like you're just a beautiful soul. And I'm so glad I got to talk to you. We have the rapid fire five. Are you ready? I am ready. All right. I'm ready. Healing is a
1: journey, a journey.
0: Yes. If you could read one book on repeat, what would it be? Phil, Jesus. Um. It's okay. It can also be a magazine or watch a show. What? If you could read or listen to one thing on repeat, what would it be?
1: I will watch Sweet Magnolias on repeat.
0: Oh, my God. I love that about you. That's (laughs) Yes. Okay. I know you're like such a person who's moved by music. I never asked this, but what about listen to?
1: Oh, there is a song that said there's a song by God.
0: I forgot who is by, but it's um, Why Not Me. Okay. I'm going to look it up. I love it. Okay the best version of self-care for you personally is yoga, yoga. Yes. I knew that. I knew you <laughs> that mindfulness, baby. Okay. What's one thing that you are proud of my family talk, speak to that.
1: I mean, we've just been through so much like my kids, my husband, and not just with cancer diagnosis, but like pregnancy loss, job loss, everything. And then when I just look at us, I'm like, damn, but we are killing it. Like my babies are killing it. They are growing. They are kind. My husband and our, me and his relationship is crazy strong. Just like, and so I just look at us and I go, there's nothing that can beat us.
0: Yes. Okay. One thing you are <laughs> deeply grateful for. One. Ah! <laughs> um
1: second chances.
0: Yes. Talked about that. I mean, my
1: whole life is, I feel like it's like a second chance and just being able to go like to reflect. I feel like my biggest thing is like what happened in a moment doesn't have to define what happens next. And so I'm very big on just like, even in like professional, personal, whatever, and just clarifying like, yo, this happened, but like, is that really where we're going from here? Or like this happened and we're going to talk about it and we're going to go somewhere totally different. It's going to be great. And so I think I operate in that in like my personal and in like in my professional life It's just like, this happened. We got two places we can go, but like, let's just see what the second chance looks like.
0: Yeah. And that shows a lot about who you are and the grace and the patience that you're willing to give others and the grace and the patience that you're willing to give yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're just such an intentional person and I'm so excited for these people to get to know you and I'd love for them to be able to connect with you either. I know that your Instagram is such a place that you know, you are so open and so willing and so encouraging to all people, regardless if they've had a cancer diagnosis or if they're just a mom and they need, you know, some mom advice or mom tips or thrifting. Clarina is an amazing thrifter. So uh, where can people connect with you? How can people connect with you?
1: I'm only on Instagram and that's at mama likes a deal. Mama underscore likes underscore a deal. So yeah, that's what it is. It's mama underscore likes underscore
0: a deal. Yes. And it is such a happy place on the internet it really is so i really encourage all of y'all to go and check her out and get to know clarina because like i said beautiful soul beautiful person and really truly the most beautiful family i just like all of your children are precious (laughs) you and your husband are just both like absolute dreams and i'm just you know everyone go follow her and check her out and get to know her and thanks again i hope you guys have a great rest of your day Bye. bye Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help us reach more listeners, please share it with someone you know, post about it on social media, and leave a rating or a review. To see what's coming next, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Nick Finn Council or visit our website at FinneganCounseling.org. Before I go, I'd also like to thank the people who made this project possible, my wonderful friends and guest experts who joined me each episode, our production team at Three Wire Creative, our editor, Giselle Dixon, and the amazing leadership team and supporters at Nick Finnegan Counseling Center in Houston, Texas. Until next time.